This is McKinsey Recruiting, a podcast created to help you learn more about McKinsey and company. My name is Philip, and together with Sydney, our other podcast host, I'm here to answer all your questions about McKinsey Recruiting and introduce you to some of our McKinsey personalities. In this episode, we will talk about mental health. Our guest today is Mikiel. He joined McKinsey in 2005 and is now a partner in our Amsterdam office. Mikiel will share his perspective on why mental health is such an increasingly important topic, how we make it a priority at McKinsey and which techniques can be used to help create a mental balance in our day-to-day -day life. Are you ready? Then let's start our podcast, McKinsey Recruiting. Hi, Mikiel, and thanks for being a guest on our McKinsey Recruiting Podcast and a warm welcome from Cologne to Amsterdam. Happy to be here. Good morning, Philip. Mikiel, apart from being a partner at McKinsey, you also are a family person. You and your wife have one daughter born in America and two sons born in Italy and the Netherlands, um, and also several dogs and horses, I've heard. Uh, it sounds like you have an international, a very international family. I take it you have moved around a lot. Um, can you tell us a bit more about the different countries you've lived in? Well, I think the countries are pretty much defined by the birthplaces of the of the kids, or the other way around, actually. But so we <laughs> we uh, lived in in the Netherlands. That's where I was born and and grew up, and had my first part of the career at at Unilever, and then I moved to Italy with Unilever and that's where our second son was born and then um, I moved to Palm Beach Florida where um, our American princess was born <laughs> and uh, then I joined McKinsey in New York with a little uh, step out to Toronto Canada so that's kind of it and now we're back in uh, in the Netherlands um, interesting question uh, pops up here in my mind. Um, with children born all over the world, uh, do you experience any cultural differences within your family? You've already said something about your American princess. <laughs> well, luckily, uh, our family culture is stronger than the country cultures we were in. So uh, I think we still have a, we have a pretty stable, uh, consistent family culture. Uh, but I do think everyone is kind of like uh, very open-minded um, and and uh, looking beyond the, the boundaries of the country. Okay, and um, I've also heard that you are currently writing a book. Um, is that right? That's absolutely right. Yes, I am. Because uh, how how do you maintain a balance um, with your family and? Uh, your career i mean like writing a book is a big uh task D do you ever feel too stretched there or um well the book is part of my work rhythm right so the family doesn't really notice it apart from that sometimes i write a bit in the weekend on quiet moments but mostly i'll i'll try to do it in uh in the time that i'm that i'm working so i'll just plan it well so i have some writing time every week mm-hmm What is the book about? Do you want to tell? Uh, do you want to give us some more details? Yeah, absolutely. It's about it's about uh, leading and learning outside of your comfort zone, mm -hmm. and it's it's basically uh, very much about if you look at how the world is changing these days and how fast the rate of change is that we are being asked to very often be outside of our comfort zone to adapt, and doing that in a way that you 
stay close to yourself and and uh, don't don't get uh, blinders on is uh, is a practice and this book is really about that practice that how do you how do you stay close to yourself and open-minded as the world is uh, getting more and more turbulent around you and what's the solution well read the book <laughs> um so uh let's dive a bit deeper into your career um in doing my research, I learned that in your pre-McKinsey life, uh, you worked at an international company. Uh, you've already said that where you were responsible for a well-known ice cream brand. Afterwards, you've managed a brand that produces dietary uh, supplement foods. Exciting contrast, actually. Uh, where did your passion for branding topics come from? Um, well, when I when I left university, I I wasn't really sure about what to do. Uh, so I I, I uh, did an internship at at banking, and I didn't really like that. And then I did a very cool business course at at, at Unilever, and I really liked the creativity and uh, and the entrepreneurialism that is in that is in branding. So that's why I that's why I joined uh, McKinsey. Uh, sorry, that's why I joined Unilever at the time. Um, and I, I joined as a brand manager. So that's when I really got excited about branding and marketing, uh, in general. So that was the first part of my career was very much around that. A bit later in your career, you focused on culture and transformation projects. You were uh, trained as a group facilitator, joined McKinsey and co-founded an organization within McKinsey, Aberkin. Uh, which focuses on leaders, leadership facilitation, as I've understood it. Why did you decide to shift your focus? So when I was in, in business, I found that one of the biggest challenges in businesses for executive teams and their organizations is to change, to actually not change the company, but change yourself um, to be able to adapt to different environments and different market challenges and different competitive environments um, and I was intrigued by how to unlock that because I found it uh, very difficult myself when I was in the in the board of a company to actually shift fast enough when uh, there, there there really is a seismic change in the market you're operating in. Um, and that's why I really got into this this concept of um, investigating the the drivers of our behavior. And what I found out is that those drivers of our behaviors are very unconscious and invisible to us. So they are what we call our mindsets and our beliefs that we, are, we often don't really know that we carry them around. Um, but if you don't work on that level, it's very hard to really fundamentally change. Mm -hmm. So that's why I got intrigued by it. And then when I got into the topic, I got so excited and inspired by it that I thought, hey, this is what I, what I want to make my career of. So then I... Um, I took a sabbatical to see how I could bring this to the world. And um, I found that McKinsey was one of the most powerful and influential institutions to bring this world into the corporate boardrooms and large institutions and to really make a difference with the people that make big differences. Can you tell us a bit more about Eberkin? Um, what, what methods are you using there and why does the world need it? Yeah, so what we what we realized is that um, if we do strategy work at the firm or we're asking uh, clients, uh, we're discovering with clients that we need to shift uh, direction, um, they also need to shift their mindsets and behaviors. And that's a very different skill. In a, in a way, that's a right brain skill, skill and not a left brain skill. 
So uh, when we started to discover this was a big need at clients, we developed a group of practitioners that uh, could do this. They were very deep into uh, into personal transformation in the context of business change. And uh, this group had a had a bit of a unique culture because they they do unique work, and that's why we uh, founded Eberkin to create a community of practitioners um, that can strengthen each other, learn together, um, and and consistently bring this world this work on the world stage in uh, at scale. So that's why we founded Eberkin, um, which by the way is now an, an integrated part of McKinsey, but still has its own unique uh, culture. I've I've heard something about a wilderness-based learning experience. Yeah, What absolutely. Yeah, so we do we do we do things to bring people out of their comfort zone, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, if their business environment is doing it, of course. But then we bring them into into spaces where they are in a different context, so they are more mm -hmm. free to think about new solutions and to really look deeply inside themselves of what they need to shift and. Uh, Bringing people into wilderness trails is one of the one of the ways to do it. There are many different ways that we apply, but our wilderness trails are definitely uh, one of the more uh, exciting ones. Um, your very career path is a good example of someone who made the shift from a corporate role to a consulting path. Why did you decide to switch path, and can you just describe the difference for us? Well, the switch was really what I what I just said, right? So when I discovered Uh, how important it is for leaders to shift their mindsets and behaviors. And I started to apply it on myself. I thought, hey, this is what I want to bring into the world. Uh, and having done this 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 three-year-long training on how to do this, um, I actually wanted to make it my daily work instead of just applying it to myself and my, and my immediate team or organization and want to bring it to other organizations. And then uh, to do it, then you, you immediately get into consulting because that's the best way to touch many different companies, many different executive teams. Um, and that's why, uh, and if you join a consulting firm and you want to have the biggest impact in the world, then you join McKinsey. So that, that choice wasn't very hard. Let's dive into our key topic today, mental health. Uh, let's start just with the very basics. What is mental health? How do you define it? Why should it matter to um, me and to our listeners? Well, I mean, the way I look at it, right? There, there are different dimensions to health. So immediately when you say mental health, for me, there are three other dimensions that come up. It's emotional health, spiritual health, and physical health. Now, mental health is, um, is a, a dimension that is super important at work especially when you are <coughs> at, in consulting because we use our brain so much. And um, so very often we use a lot of mental energy and we don't realize that uh, when you use a lot of mental energy, you also need to manage your health. You also need to manage recovery. You need to manage breaks. So very different from physical health. I mean, if you go run, At some point, your your body gives you a very clear signal that, oh, hey, dude, I need to stop now for a while. <laughs> take a drink, take some food, take a rest. Um, with your mind, it's different. Your mind can almost endlessly continue. Um, and, and it's almost like the, the frog in the water that gets hotter and hotter, right? So you, you don't notice 
that at some point you're running out of your mental capacity, your mental flexibility, your mental depth. So that's why mental health is, is something to very consciously manage, especially when you're in, in this field of work. Why does this topic especially matter for you personally? Um, has this something to do with your own um, history or your own past? No, not really. I mean, I, I had a, I had a, um, when I was in, still in the corporate world, I had a, a, a runaway thyroid, a stress-related runaway thyroid, it turned out in the end. Um, so I, I did notice uh, the, the distinction between mental health and physical health, but also that if you ignore mental health for too long, it can have an impact on your physical energy. Mm -hmm. right, so in a way, um, it is important to me because I had that experience um, and I learned uh, from that, I learned that I need to manage it for myself. Uh, but because of my experience, I'm also much better uh, able to explain to other people how to do it because I'm now very conscious about it and I, and I manage my, my mental, spiritual, emotional and physical health very consciously. <laughs> Uh, first of all, thanks for your open words here. Um, I, I'd like to add here that uh, your, your colleagues also describe you as ambitious and professional, but on the other hand, also spiritual. That's also something that you've already said. How do you combine those two aspects within yourself? Um, well, I think, I mean, often people think that, that being spiritual and ambitions are uh, contradictory. And uh, I think that's a very interesting thought. If you think that, it's it's good to explore it because um, your ambition can very quickly override your boundaries. And and I think especially at a at a high performance company like McKinsey, um, very often uh, we listen more to our ambition than to our more silent voice. Right, the silent voice of what you really think is important, the silent voice of what is really needed right now for yourself um, the silent voice of hey shouldn't you slow down for a bit shouldn't you take a break can you give me an example here um, well it's it's uh, I mean if I look at at our teams right with with uh, all uh, very ambitious young smart people um, you know when I work with them I, I literally sometimes have to tell them listen it's okay I don't need this tonight Uh, you can finish this document tomorrow. And then I wake up in the morning and the document is in my inbox, you know? And I think that's where sometimes I feel it's, it's better uh, for people to manage their ambition a little bit more consciously. Um, so they also have space for other things in their lives. And, and, and I think that will make us better human beings. It will make us better partners in our relationship, but it also will make us better professionals because we're just more rounded and we're not too monodimensional in our focus how do you keep a mental balance personally um well i i i plan it really well so one thing i have a practice right so i i start the day with uh some breathing and meditation mm -hmm. um and then i kind of visually go through the day i say hey what are the what are the things i want to get out of this day i call that intention setting um, so when I start the day, I have, a my, my energy is focused on the number of things I want to accomplish. Um, and then when, when that's done, it's done. Uh, so one of the things I, I, I found out is that 
I can work four, five hours maximum on really high stake topics in the day. And then the rest of the day, it's fine to work on lower uh, mental involved uh, topics, right? Uh, like doing some admin or uh, having uh, conversations with team members or whatever, right? So I think knowing that you don't need to be at your top of your uh, performance for eight to 10 hours a day is a very uh, liberating thought because then you say, okay, at some point, okay, good. You know, these are the, the high stake things I wanted to do for today. And now there's time for the other things and it's okay. You know, I don't need to feel bad that I'm wasting my time on admin stuff or something like that. We're going to come back to practical tips in the end, I'm going to ask you for some of them. But first, um, at McKinsey, we do have a lot of initiatives that focus on this topic as well. For instance, we have one that is called Mind Matters, which offers help when it comes to mental health, but also an experience initiative, which looks at team experience of our colleagues inside and outside of the team room. Why does McKinsey offer this type of support? And can you explain us a bit what they are doing? Um. Yeah, so I think why we do it, teamwork is extremely important at McKinsey. Uh, and, and we work in teams all the time. And our teams are super collaborative. So we have a very uh, high value that um, that in a team, you know much more than as an individual, which means that you, you need to be open, you need to trust each other, you need to be able to challenge each other. So in our teams, we want to create a high trust, high supportive environment where there's space to challenge ideas that we have and make them better. And that for me was a massive shift when I entered McKinsey. It was the, the, the endless making things better uh, in, in the team rooms uh, dialogue that was going on. So in order for that to happen, you need psychological safety. You need to have fun. You need to relate to each other, even though some of these teams only operate together for six weeks and then they disband and then you get into a new team. So forming teams and, and getting to know your teammates quickly, but also um, sharing how you want to work, right? Some people do super active sports or they play music or and they have they have space they need for that in their week. And then you need to align on you know, when do you do what in, in, in our flexible work life, right? And, and create space for that so you don't feel guilty when you're, uh, when you're spending time on a, a, a passion outside work. And these initiatives offer this space? Well, these initiatives, I think a lot of what we do in our teamwork is that we create openness to contract on this before we get into uh, a team uh, collaboration. And then these initiatives are, they address a number of things, right? It's, it's how do we work as, as, uh, as teams, but also how do you keep yourself as an individual healthy? So it gives practices like meditation, like reflection, uh, like goal setting, uh, like realizing your different roles in life, etc. And why is this such an important topic, especially for the consulting industry and especially in times of COVID? Well, let's start with the consulting industry, right? It's um, <laughs> consulting industry is is super diverse, uh, and and it's uh, very often on high stake topics because our clients 
don't hire us for the average stuff. They hire us to do things where they need, you know, not incremental impact, but actually disproportionate change or impact. So um, our clients always expect a lot from us and we're trying to live up to that. Um, and then you have that many times over in a year because you switch from project to project as a consultant. So you get lots of different experiences, but it also can be very intense. Um, therefore, it's very important to manage this much more consciously, almost like an athlete is managing his physical health. We need to manage our, our energy. We also have groups like Access McKinsey, which supports colleagues with disability, both visible and invisible, like mental health conditions. Can you share more about how this and other groups help raise awareness of disability inclusion and offers practical support? As a firm, we uh, we intend to make everything discussable, right? So we realize that when you're playing in the Champions League, it's a high-pressure environment where we need to take care of our people and our people are super ambitious so sometimes they uh, they don't set their boundaries well and and we try to make that an open conversation so people don't feel that they are being forced uh, to do things that are crossing their boundaries mm -hmm. and that's that's one of the big challenges for super ambitious people is to really learn that it's okay to set your boundaries it's okay to say no It's okay to say, no, I won't do that over the weekend. I'll pick it up next week. And creating an environment like that is important. And, and creating openness that it's okay to talk about that is super important. Thanks for your insight so far. Um, since many listeners <clears throat> are interested in tips that they can incorporate into their day-to-day -day lives, I'd like to make our discussion a bit more practical. You've already gave some advice. Um, And I know that you're an expert in meditation. You learned it several years ago and practice it also regularly. Maybe you can tell us a bit uh, how you've learned it and the benefits of meditating. Yeah, so I got into meditation a long, long time ago. Um, when I was, I think when I was 18 or 19, I started uh, practicing Aikido. And Aikido is a, is, uh, is, a, is a Japanese martial art. Um, and it's basically uh, focused on um, on being very much in touch with your opponent so you can connect with his energy and redirect it. So in order to do that, you need to have a very balanced mental state. You shouldn't get fearful. You shouldn't try to protect yourself because then you cannot connect with the opponent. And that requires meditation. It, it requires a very still mind when you're in the middle of a fight. And that's uh, that's how I got into meditation. So uh, and and ever since it's helped me tremendously. Um, so I, I really miss it if I don't do it. Um, and I've I've learned many different meditation techniques over the years. Uh, and every year I take at least a week of silence. So I go onto a retreat to to kind of uh, not say anything, <laughs> and uh, I, I, yeah, a lot of people think that's horror, but I actually really <laughs> like it, and it's it's very uh, uh, a source of renewal for me. Many people who are also looking for a job are listening to this podcast. Do you think meditation is something a job seeker should try? Could meditating 
help, for instance, before a job interview? Well, I think meditation, it basically calms your inner state, right? And when you, when you are uh, a little anxious or excited or uh, about something that you have to do in the outside world, it's good to have a bit of a tranquil inner state. So then meditation helps uh, for some people. Some people like to walk the dog or take a bike ride or take a run, uh, and they can get very similar effects, actually. So it, it's, it's not the, the form of meditation that's so important. I think it's important that you find for yourself a moment where you can um, kind of empty your mind, where you're not driven by your mind, but you're driven by your breath. You've stressed that leadership and role modeling are integral. You've already said that. How do you make sure that your teams are keeping a mental balance? How do you check in on them? Well, it's exactly that, uh, checking in on them, right? So very frequent, uh, we actually do check-ins. We call that check-in. So before we start meetings, we do a check-in where we ask, the first question we ask people is, how do you feel? Um, and is there anything that gets in your way of doing what you need to do? So we open the space very consciously uh, to make sure that uh, people can say where they're at from a feeling perspective. You know, sometimes there are massive things going on in your private life then uh, don't expect yourself to be at your at the top of your game in the team room. And then maybe someone else in the team who has a little bit more space at the time can take over some things for you, right? So that's the intention of, of uh, checking in with each other in the team. And then, of course, what I do myself is I, I check in regularly with the individual team members just to, you know, just to call, how are you doing? Um, you know, are you learning enough? Uh, where do you get stuck? Uh, because that's the whole thing, right? You can't grow without having challenges. And and um, I, I, as a team uh, leader, like to check in with people to see whether they're learning. Now we move to our Ask Me Anything section, my favorite part of the show. We went on the virtual streets with our podcast and asked people what they want to know about McKinsey. I would love to introduce you to today's guests. Are you ready for your free Ask Me Anything questions? <laughs> Absolutely. Great. Question one comes from Elena. She studies business administration in Germany. Hi, I'm Elena from Germany. I study business administration and I'm interested in how you manage to find a balance or even make a clear cut between work and your private life in times of constant availability. Great question, Elena. Mikhail, how can you make a clear cut? Yeah, so I'm not sure whether I'm making a clear cut. I think I, I make choices, um, but I think because of the constant availability, you have, uh, it's almost like I manage my agenda as an integrated whole. So I have different roles in my agenda. I have a family role. I have my private role where for me, it's a lot about playing sports and having my space for reflection um, I have a social role where I want to do things with friends. Um, and then I have a professional role where I have my professional agenda. So what I try to do, especially in this mix of things, is how can I, how can I manage it well? For example, if I know that there's an evening that my, uh, my wife is not at home and my kids are doing their own things, that's an evening where I can very well do some work And then maybe I'll take a run in the morning because I like to play play sports when when it's daylight more than when it's dark, uh, right? So that's that's how I manage it. So I try to manage it fluently, but um, 
very consciously that I need to spend enough time on the other things and I don't always prioritize work. And I, I guess, you know, um, I ran into my uh, challenges with that at the beginning of my career. And, and I, I guess the, the more I, I have grown up um, in business and consulting, the, the better I, I got in this. It's, it's a practice, right? It's not easy. And sometimes there are just overwhelming business topics that hijack everything. And then you're kind of out of it for a couple of weeks. And then you need to recover after that. <laughs> uh, thank you, Elena, for the question. I hope that answers um, your question. Question two comes from Jill, also from Germany. Hi, my name is Jill and I'm from Germany. I'm a student and my question is, if you believe that COVID will sustainably change the way consultants work at McKinsey, especially concerning travels. Thank you, Jill. Something we've already touched upon, but uh, I'm excited to hear your opinion and how you estimate the effects. Yeah, so I think post-corona, when we are allowed to travel again, right? That's the question, I guess, right? What happens post-corona? I think uh, the corona experience will reduce travel because we've seen how effective we can be in uh, working remotely. However, what we've also seen is that the importance to connect as human beings and to and to uh, sit together and and uh, enjoy each other's company whilst working, but also whilst playing, to be honest, with each other in 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 team uh, events or something like that, is super important. And we all uh, we all direly miss that in this Corona time. So, um, so I've, I've, I've got two answers. One is yes, I think we will travel less, which is great for the planet and it's great for our, uh, for our health. There are still, uh, many client moments where it's important that we're there. And that's very often that, that is driven by the client's needs. So that's when we, when we will travel and, and we will, uh, be at the side of the client. Um, and the other thing is that we really are even more conscious about the importance of community, the importance of getting together and really build, build this team bonding and the team spirit and the trust uh, that we spoke about earlier. And question three comes from Leonie. Hi, my name is Leonie. I'm from Germany and I'm studying business administration. And I was wondering um, what other aspects besides grades and uh, previous work experience are being taken into consideration when deciding who gets invited to an interview? A classical recruiting question for you. What are the criteria for being invited for an interview at McKinsey? <laughs> Well, to be invited or to get uh, or to get chosen, I think we look at we, we look at grades. Of course, we look at uh, we, we try to get a feel for the person as a whole. So, not only whether you have great grades, but but also what have you done in your life? What are your interests? Are you open minded? Are you interested in other people? Um, because consulting is very much a people's business. So, we're looking for people that have great problem solving skills but that also have shown that they like to collaborate, that they like to uh, connect with other people and to, to get to know other people better. That's it for our Ask Me Anything section. But I would like to ask one final roundup question. We at McKinsey know the classic McKinsey technique of top-down communication, where you sum up the key message of what you want to say, preferably at the beginning of a presentation. So my final question this time is... What is it that you would like our listeners to get out of our podcast episode today? Uh, 
Well, that's, uh, that's, that's a good question. You're putting me a little bit on the spot here, but uh, let me give it a try. So <laughs> number one is um, when you're entering, you know, post-university in a career of McKinsey, um, make a wish list of what you want to get out of it. So why are you joining? What do you want to learn? What do you want to accomplish? And make that your purpose. Uh, having a purpose is super important. And when you then get your experience, reflect frequently whether you are getting what you set out for. And if you don't, bring it up. Talk to people. Because I think there's one thing about McKinsey that is amazing, is that we are always very open and putting effort in getting the best out of you. So, uh, but if you don't ask, uh, sometimes it's hard for people to realize what's going on, right? So one is set your purpose. Second is reflect frequently whether you're getting what you need. And then the third one is um, don't only make a career plan, but make a life plan. Look at what you want to accomplish in addition to your work life with friends, family, hobbies, whatever, and start from the get-go designing that into your experience, even though you probably will get lost in the beginning, like all of us, right? We, you, you will get uh, overexcited by the, by the cool assignments you will get, and then some of the things will maybe get squeezed, but then just realize that you can always go back to, uh, to the goals that you set yourself. So, um, and most of all, uh, enjoy. I mean, it's a magical period when you start working, uh, you will discover a lot about yourself. You will discover a lot about other people. And um, if it's if your life goes anything like mine, there are phases where your purpose shifts. So for me, that happened two or three times in my life. Um, and if you stay aware and open, you will notice it and uh, you can stay on track with what you really want to do with your life. So this is it, Mikhail. The end of today's recruiting podcast. It was super interesting to learn more about you and your role. Thanks for being a guest on our show. Thank you. Thanks for listening. If you have more questions or ideas for our show, drop us a line on our podcast page, mckinsey.com slash recruiting podcast. To learn more about our diversity recruiting efforts, how to apply and tons of other information, check out mckinsey.com careers. <laughs>